Good evening, church. I'm reading to you today from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 23. So I'll start in Colossians 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Awesome. Can we have our first slide up? Thank you very much. Stewie the sheep. Very important to know in this world who you were created to be, what you were created to be, and what purpose you have in this world. The key to knowing that as a human being is your true key to freedom. Understanding who you are, who you were created to be, and what your function and place in purpose in the world is. Stewie the sheep is not like that. This isn't your average dog pack. Stewie gives a sheepdog a whole new meaning. Would the dogs consider him to be one of them? Definitely. Definitely. He sleeps on the dog bed outside during the day. He even sniffs light poles when we go walking sometimes. So, it, yeah, no, he's definitely a dog. It would appear Stewie is a dog in sheep's clothing, fitting in perfectly with his housemates, Fife and Boo. He follows Boo, like it's he's the leader of the, the flock, and so he just follows along behind him and, yeah. Their daily walks tend to attract a fair bit of attention here in Stewie's hometown of Bustleton, more so when Stewie was young. I think more people now are like thumbs up and, you know, toot the horn and everyone waves and, yeah, sort of meeting people along the way and they all stop and have a chat. Some even pull over. Now don't turn into lamb chops, you've got to behave yourself. <laughs> As you'd expect in the country, the jokes roll on in. About being a roast and 
all that sort of stuff. I used to have someone who would say, like, feed him rosemary so he'd marinate from the inside out. Stewie takes no notice. Very much a pet, yes. I have, I do threaten him every now and again, but he's too big for the oven now, so now it's the barbecue. (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, no, that will never happen. Susie was inspired to get Stewie after rescuing a sick lamb from the side of the road. I had my little first little lamb cutlet for four days and then he passed away and I liked the idea of of having another one so I put the call out on Facebook. She adopted Stewie at one month old. Cute, but a handful. A naughty puppy and a toddler, all rolled into one. He's not so bad now that he's older, but when he was smaller, he, yeah, he was terrible. Like, he'd jump on the kitchen counter and, like, just, yeah. So, lucky he's too fat for that now. (laughs) He may not be able to perform the same tricks as his mates, sheep can't sit like dogs, but no matter what, Stewie is a beloved member of Susie's pack. I would advise everybody to get a sheep. (laughs) They're great pets. Three cheers for Stewie, eh? What do you think? (laughs) Mm. I think as human beings, going about Stewie the sheep, as human beings, what it means is true freedom is to live as you were created to be. Uh, You were created very definitely by God for very definite purposes. Uh, God has a plan for your life. God has designed you not only just as a part of the human race, but he's designed you individually. One of the great, wonderful things of our church is the tapestry of people that make up this church. I described this this morning as a wonderful patchwork of people that God has sewed together in his purposes and made a wonderful quilt of Christ. And so in our diversity is our beauty and our strength. And the fact that our, our diversity is a wonderful thing, it reflects the image of God. You were made by God. You were made for a purpose. To understand that, to understand that who you are is intrinsically bound up in God's purpose for your life means that when you discover that, you can find true freedom. Most people in this world have no idea that they were created by God for a purpose and that their true freedom is found in acting and living as they were created to be from God. Heavenly Father, as we drill down into this idea of true freedom, being in line with acting and living according to what you have created us to be, help us, Lord, to be open to that. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be challenged by that. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would, in fact, be renewed by that and refreshed by that and recommissioned by that to go out in this world to live a dynamic and different life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So that's my proposition. Now, I want you to open up your Bibles. I know they may be on your phone. I want you to look up Colossians chapter 1. I'm looking from the New International Version, if you want to try to track where I'm up to. But have a look at it. Pick it up. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be going through this passage, so it's important that you have eyes on it. Share your phone with somebody else. If you like the look of their phone, keep it. Give them your old version of your phone, and they will bless you in Jesus' name. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, through to the end of verse 23. That's what we're looking at here. 
Uh, and here's my first set of points. Jesus is the key to freedom. You see, Christ has made us. Therefore, understanding who Christ is in this picture of freedom matters most because Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We're in our third month, our third month of freedom series. We've spaced them out throughout the year, but this is the third month we're focusing on freedom. And our proposition, if Christ sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Do you feel free indeed? It is Christ who can show us what it truly means to be free indeed. Okay, so let's look. Okay, if it's Jesus who sets us free, who is this Jesus? Let's have a look at the scriptures. Verse 15 says, The Son. So the first thing we know about Jesus, he is the Son of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God. So the Son, Jesus is the Son of God and he's just like God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, this is, an, this is a really important point. I want to tell you that there are some people and pastors in Australia that don't understand this concept whatsoever. They see Jesus as the first created being. They see Jesus... Oh, this is a pyramid, right? Eric, with me? They see this is the pyramid of creation. They see Jesus at the very apex of creation that God made Jesus as the firstborn created being, and then Jesus as the first created being, then at the top of the pyramid, created all beings after that. That is not what the Bible says about Jesus, right? Have a look at John chapter 1. It says that in the beginning was the Word, that is Jesus, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so from the very beginning, when you look at the person of Jesus, he is pre-existent to all creation. He is not the first created being. Never let anyone sell you the lie that Jesus was the first created being, that from him then all other beings. Forget the image of the pyramid. It is inaccurate and unbiblical. Jesus was with God in the beginning and, in fact, was God, a part of the Godhead of a Father, a Son, and the Spirit of God. The Son is the image of God, the firstborn over all creation. So what does firstborn mean? This is a phrase that was very well understood in the New Testament. If you want to find out what this means, just ask Jess Collins. She's a virtual expert on this topic. She knows ten times as much as I do. But the notion of firstborn in the Bible... The firstborn person in any family has authority over the farm or over, over the property. And so they have the complete authority of the father, the patriarch of the place. So the firstborn son will have complete authority over everything that the father owns. Jesus is firstborn in that sense only. He has complete authority over everything that the father owns. He is the head of all creation and all authority. He is the firstborn. It's a statement of his position and authority. It is not a statement of him being a created being in any way, shape or form. You'll notice there it says, he is the firstborn not of all creation. What's it say? What's the word? He is the firstborn, NIV says, firstborn over. He's the overseer. He's in oversight. He is the Lord. He is the master over all of creation. 
And so that's how we're meant to understand that. Because we need to see who Jesus is. If Jesus is the key to freedom, we've got to get a clear picture of who he is. He's the son. He's the image of God. He's the firstborn over all creation and he is supreme. Look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body of the church. I am not the head of this church. The elders are not the head of this church. The pastors are not the head of this church. What does the signboard say at the front? Epping White. Church of Christ. Christ is the head of all believers. Christ is the head of this church. The leadership of this church has got one mandate. Find the will of Christ and do it. It is not the will of the pastors. It is not the will of the elders. It is the will of Christ because he is this church. He redeemed us by his own blood. He is, the, he is the leader and the head of this church. Every leader here serves under the leadership mandate of find and do the will of God for his people in this place. I don't know if I, I don't even have an agenda for this place. My agenda is to find out what God's agenda is and to make sure that that's done in this place. To find and do the will of God in this place. That is the job of leaders because we serve under the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church and we serve as his servant leaders under him. He's the supreme one, not us. He is both fully human and fully divine at the same time. Mind-blowing, I know, but absolutely true. Look at verse 19. What does it tell us about Jesus? For God was pleased to have what? All his fullness dwell in him. Not part of his fullness, not a smidge of his fullness, not a part or a shadow of his fullness. The whole fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. He was the living and breathing, walking, talking embodiment of God. I've got a Bible, so I'm going to turn the page and go over to chapter 2, verse 9. If you've got an electronic one, just swipe whatever you've got to do and get over to verse 9 of chapter 2. It says much the same thing, I think, even more clearly. Colossians 2, 9 says, For in Christ all the fullness, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. You want to know who Jesus is? All the fullness all there is of God, the whole totality of God, the breadth of God, the height of God, everything, God's whole capacity, his whole being, dwelt in him in bodily form. Jesus was God on earth. He was absolutely divine, and yet we know he was absolutely human. He was fully human, 100%, not 50%. He's not 50% God and 50% human. He's 100% God, Yes. Is 100% God, yes or no? What does the scripture say? He's 100% fully divine. He's also fully human. He has needs. He sleeps. He hurts. They killed him. He died. He is fully human and fully divine at the same time. He is the key to our freedom. We need to understand who he is. Okay, if it's the key to our freedom, this is where the rubber starts hitting the road. We need to understand that everything, and this includes us, we were created in him, through him, for him, and everything is held together, including our universe and our very selves by him. We are created in him, through him, for him, and held together by him. Let's have a look at verse 16. Let me ask as I read this, do you see your life? Is this how you see your life? Is this how you understand who you are? Is this how you understand your purpose? This is talking about your purpose. This is talking about why you exist. Huh? 
This is why you exist. For in him all things were created, and that includes you. The wonderful miracle of conception and birth. The Bible is abundantly clear. You were knit together in your mother's womb by God for a purpose. You are not a mistake. Even if you're unplanned, God planned for you. Hear that? Part of the plan of God. For in him all things were created. All things in heaven and earth. We think, oh, God made the earth. That's pretty cool. But everything, the galaxies, everything, the angels, the whole spiritual realm, Jesus is the very person who made those things. All things were made through him and for him. And so Jesus... Everything is made in him. Everything is made for him. In him, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible, like the whole supernatural world that we barely get a glimpse into, but is just as true as the physical world. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Your news that I've got for you tonight is this. You were made for Jesus. You were made by him and for him. Do you see your purpose in life as that? You were made for Jesus. Do you live your life for him? True freedom is understanding that you were created by God for the purpose of knowing him and for the purpose of following him and devoting your life to him for Jesus. Do you live your life for Jesus? Is your Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday world for Jesus just as much as your Sunday five o'clock world for Jesus? You were made for Jesus. That's your purpose. If you want true freedom, if you want to understand what it means to be a human being created by God for a wonderful design and purpose, to find this true freedom, it's understand, I live my life, I understand my destiny, I have my identity because I have been created by him and I live my life for him. If you've got that mindset, you can find true freedom. If you don't have that mindset, you won't. Because true freedom is only found in Christ. Because if the sun sets you free, said Jesus, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. In him, through him, for him, and held together by him. This wild universe in which we live is held together by the power of Jesus. True freedom is to know your creator and how he designed you to live. But we have a big problem. We keep on running into a big problem. In our endeavour to do this, in our struggle to do this, in trying to actualise this into our own life and live this out on a daily basis, we keep on running into our own human nature. And our human nature is, is constantly, it, it, is, it is biased towards sin. Uh, look what the scripture says there in verse 21. And it's talking about once... Once we were, and the next verse talks about how God now sees us. So this is kind of talking about how we used to stand before God. But it does reveal our human nature. Once you were alienated from God and were his enemies. People think God loves everybody in the world, which he does, and everybody's God's friend. They're not. God does love everybody in the world, but everybody's not God's friend. People who don't know Jesus and haven't embraced him as saviour and found salvation through him are in fact enemies of God. That's what the Bible says. 
Once you were alienated, you were enemies of God because of what two things? Minds in your minds and because of evil behaviour. What we have done by nature, and you and I resonate with this because this is, we understand this struggle very personally. We have alienated ourselves from God because of our thinking, which is opposed to God, and our behaviour, which lines up with our thinking. Our evil minds and our behaviour. Now, we can, we can relate to this. Every single one of us knows that feeling of alienating ourselves from God because of that. So that's our big, big problem. But although we have a big, big problem, God has a bigger, better solution to our big, big problem. And the solution, his name is Jesus. Have a look at this. He's the even bigger solution to the big, big problem. And his name is Jesus. This is God's solution. You were like this. But what does it say? But now you're not. This is not how God views you now. He does not view you as alienated. He does not view you as his enemy. He does not view you as separated. He sees you completely differently to what our disposition naturally is. But now you are reconciled. He has reconciled. He's done it. Initiated by God. We couldn't do anything to fix it. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through his death to present you, note this, holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. That's how God sees absolutely every single one of you that loves Jesus in this place. That's how God sees you. Say these words after me, because of Jesus' death. You've got to say it with conviction. Come on, trust me. I'm not going to lead you into heresy. It's going to be okay. Follow me. I'm back. I'm back from holidays and I'm refreshed. Cleansed from a gastric bug. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Preaching the Holy Word. Say it with conviction, friends. Because of Jesus' death, I am holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Almost good enough. Because of Jesus' death, death, I am holy in his sight, sight, without blemish, blemish, and free from accusation. accusation. Jesus is the bigger, bigger solution to the big problem of sin. That's how God sees you. So when God looks down on you tonight, know that's how he sees you. Yes, you were like that, but the death of Christ is so overwhelmingly powerful. His grace is so abundantly that he has taken you by the scruff of the neck and he's dragged you into his family and he's poured his grace and love and forgiveness over you. And that's how you are now in Jesus. Now you can live freely. You can start to live like the way that God had attended because you're back with him. You are reconciled to him. He's not holding the things you've done against you every day and driving you down with guilt. You are free from those things, free from accusation. He doesn't see you as blemished. He's not only made you his friends. Reconciliation, let's have a look at this. He's not only made you his friends. He's restored the relationship. He's restored you into friendship. He's turned you from enemies to friends. He's even done one more. He's turned you from friends to family. With faith in Jesus Christ, we have been adopted into the family of God, the wonderful, brilliant, eternal family of God. 
And so we who are enemies, we have had a restored relationship with God. Our friendship has been restored from enemies to friends. And more than that, we are adopted into the family of God. Only if we understand that identity, if we know what it means to be truly human, connected with God, living a life of magnificent difference and dynamism because of the empowering of Jesus Christ in our lives, we can start to live the life freely. This is the key to freedom. Living a reconciled, empowered, dynamic life from Jesus, infused by the Holy Spirit, finding our purpose and place, knowing that he has shaped your personalities for a purpose. Shape your differences distinctly, definitely, and deliberately. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. It's a dynamic life of freedom, finding who you are in Christ and living accordingly. This is wonderful news. This is the key to freedom that we have. We need to start, we need to live that out though. That's good to know that tonight, but tomorrow is coming as well, and then next week, and then after that. So we've got to live out our freedom. How do we live out our freedom? There's a few things that we need to do. Four ways to live out our freedom. We need to continue. Let's have a look at the verse. Let's go on. Verse 22, 23. I've got so much scribble in my Bible and highlighter, sometimes it's hard to read it. Apparently this is important because I've circled it like that and put little asterisks all over it and done a highlighter in orange. If you continue, so we are free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, do not move from the hope held out to you in the gospel. So we live out our freedoms if we continue on in our faith. We need to keep on going. When life smashes you down, get up and keep going for Jesus. If friends let you down, get up and keep going for Jesus. If the church isn't what it could be or what it should be, you stand up and you keep going for Jesus. If life throws a whole lot of rubbish in your way, if sickness strikes you down, get up and keep going for Jesus. No matter what comes your way in life, just keep on going for Jesus. We need to continue to walk the path of faith. That's why you people that come to the evening service, you've got to mix with those people who come to the morning service as well because they are, next point, established in their faith. Established in their faith. This is what you need to do. You need to continue on, but you need to, what you need, you need to get deeper. You need to get stronger. You need to get broader in your faith. You need to become established. And anything that's established has been there for quite a while. That's what the word established means. It's an established home. I mean, it's an old thing. That's what it means. I'm an established human being. I'm an old thing. You know, on the 2nd of November, which is only that, not many days ago, I celebrated, get this, my Christian anniversary for how many, how many years I've been following Jesus. 46 years. 46 years I've been a follower of Jesus Christ, sold out for him. My whole life is oriented towards Jesus, has always been. And so for 46 years, and so you see that as a younger person, you might say, that's, that's incredible. I want to tell you this morning, uh, I said, you know, I want to establish, I, I shared with them I've been 46 years, so I said, how many people here have been 
I just threw it out there. Who's been following Jesus for 50 years? A whole lot of hands went up in the morning congregation. And I think it's like an auction. I wonder who's going to be the winner. And then, uh, oh, I see that hand over there. And then I said, how many people have been following Jesus for 55 years? Hands still stayed up. I said, for 60 years. Then the, then the little older hands started to stay up strong, powerful for Jesus. And then I said, 65 years. And there were still hands in the air. I said, for 70 years. And there were still hands in the air. For 75 years, there are people in this congregation who have served Christ faithfully, established in the faith for more than 75 years. You need to get some of their mojo in your life. They will show you by their very existence how to be established in Jesus and continue on him. And I tell you, they have had everything, the kitchen sink and all the rubbish that can life throw at you. They've had all that thrown on them and they've cast it off in the power of Christ and they're powered on in the name of Jesus. You've got to live like that. You have got to continue on in your faith no matter what comes your way, continue to follow Jesus. Yeah? No matter what comes your way, follow Jesus. Become an established person. Be the kind of person as the years and the decades go on that people can get next to you and say, how do you do it? How do you follow Jesus through your teens and through your 20s and through your 30s and through your 40s and through your 50s and through your 60s? Not that I'm feeling implicated by that number much. And as you move on through your life, you'll be able to coach people and show people and your very existence is an encouragement. That's the great strength of this church. We're an all-age church. We're a cross-cultural church. We're a thriving church. We need each other. They need your vitality. They need your vision and enthusiasm. You need their experience. You need their, their, what it means to be established, to stay, to grow deeper, to grow stronger, to hang in longer. And be firm and unmoved. Look at the scripture. If you continue in your faith, established, firm, and do not move, firm, and do not move, anchored to the gospel, hope held out in the gospel. And so we are anchored in the gospel. And so what happens is you, you see a storm blow up on the coast and all these crazily expensive yachts and boats worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. You can see them being smashed up on the rocks and the waves come out and they go out and then they smash up again in the rocks and the wave goes out, smash them up in the rocks. What's the problem? They've broken the mooring. They've broken the anchor. Something has gone wrong with their anchorage and they're completely smashed to pieces by the storms of this world you will be smashed to pieces by the storms of life and your faith will be smashed up and not anchored in Jesus our hope is in the gospel and so we anchor ourselves in Christ and so no matter what comes at us we 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 drop down our anchor and our anchor holds to the great rock which is Jesus and so no matter what comes we say I will stay firm no matter what storm blows against me, I'm going to be firm. If I'm battered by the waves of this or that, I will remain true. I will stay fundamentally anchored on the fundamentals. Anchored on the fundamentals. And so in summary, as we look at this, this topic here, we find that how do we find true freedom? Well, we've got to get a mindset that's right. We've got a mindset that's found in him. We've got to see ourselves, your purpose for life is to be in Jesus. Freedom will be found in Jesus alone. You were created through him 
You were created de deliberately, distinctly, and definitely for the purpose that God has laid on your life. Generally to be a Christian, but to be the kind of Christian God has called you to be. And you were made for him. You will never be truly free in this world unless you see your life's purpose as living every day for him and that everything is held together in him. I'm going to ask the band to come up here. I'm going to throw a complete spanner in the mix. Come up here, band. We're going to sing the gospel song before we sing our last song. You know the one, For God So Loved the World, Deb? You know that song? We're going to sing that song again right now. Then we're going to sing the last song. Because do you know why? Do you know why I felt the spirit of God? I've never heard that song before. It's awesome. Thanks for introducing it. Josh, of course he did. I was recovering from my son's wedding, which went awesome, by the way. And I'm thinking, what better thing is, this is all about the fundamentals anchored in Jesus, anchored in the gospel. And so as we stay firm and solid in him and continue anchored in him and pursuing that. So we're going to sing two songs. The band doesn't know this, projector person. Uh, this is panicking everybody. We're all right to go. This is a song about the gospel. It's about God's love. It's about the fundamentals. Stay anchored on the fundamentals of faith. The gospel. Your belief in him. The love of God in your life. Let's stand and praise the Saviour.